You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Elizabeth. Yeah. Hey. Uh, so, uh, yes. Uh, so, hey, I'm Liz Nyman uh, or Elizabeth. Honestly, you can do whichever. I go by both. And one of the reasons I actually started doing Liz was because I started hanging out with more uh, secondary English speakers. And that TH is like tricky as hell. Um, and there we go. I was just like, I don't know, one, one syllable. I'm an American and, and super casual. And I would try my hardest because I, <laughs> I worked at a hotel. So I would try my hardest to be able to learn their language. I would give um, a lot of the students I used to, you know, the foreign exchange students that would come in from Bulgaria, or Romania, I'd be like, write down 10 words on this piece of paper, any 10 words in your language and write down the English definition so I can learn it because over there they teach it like it's nothing. Like that's just every class. Like that's what they learn in kindergarten. For us, we never want to expose ourselves. We feel like as Americans, most of the time people have to learn to conform to what we know and all these types of things. I'm like, you got to meet them halfway. So I learned their language. And then when I was on the radio, they wouldn't be able to pick up some English translations without really seeing your lips and being able to kind of tell what words you were saying. It would just get mixed up on the frequency. Next thing you know, I would just hop on and say there's something in their language or something. They'd be like, okay. And then they say thank you in their language. And I'm like, that's how you do it. Just meet them halfway. They're already coming to a whole nother country. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I, I, you know, I like, like I was kind of observing before I, I was talking about uh, your uh, podcasting format and uh, I am slightly envious of your very like peoply personality um, just because it is not my personality at I, all. Yeah. You mentioned, you said you were an introvert, which is probably really hard to tell from my podcast, but I'm really an introvert too. I spent so much of my time being extrovert through school that people would just be like, shut up, you're annoying. Like I was oh, a yeah. class clown to the point where mm -hmm. I hit junior year, I just shut off talking to everybody. I became isolated. Then it wasn't until like I was um, about three years after school, I had a buddy call me, which initially started this podcast because he was on top of his roof drunk about to jump. And it was like nice. two o'clock in the morning wow. <laughs> and we got into this deep conversation. I'm like, oh my God conversation is more than just me saying everything I have to say. It's about two people chatting and seeing where it goes. Interesting. Yeah, no, that is absolutely, I, I, I would definitely go with that. I, I know for like me, I, I deal with, uh, you know, just being an introvert, also social anxiety, impressive social anxiety. Um, but as I told you, like, I freaking love people. It goes against like everything I know about humans and human history. Like sensibly, I should not be into my own species, but I'm like, humans are freaking amazing at the I same time. I love them and I hate them. I know that sounds bad. I just think a lot of the times we neglect to be the human we want or we, we should be the person that we are destined, I would say, we tend to be involved a lot about our environmental influences that change us and turn us into these autopilot responsive people where you walk into a store like, hey, how's your day? But you keep on walking instead of sitting and waiting for a response. I'm like, you don't really care about me. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I think 
part of that, uh, I, I know part of that has to be like our particular like American culture set up. Like I, man, uh, how many times have I had to explain my own dang country to other people? <laughs> like, I don't know, this is a thing. Like, hey, this is a dumpster, and then you light a match and throw it in. This is our country, which when I talk to people from like another country or Australia, they always say problems with America. Then I get defensive because I'm like, this is my home. I should only be the one that can talk trash on my home. <laughs> but you look at other cultures, for instance, like um, I had a guy on who was a coffee grower. His name's Jose, and he was in um, El Salvador. And as we're talking during the podcast, you start hearing bangs and pops and i'm like what the he's like dude they're not gunshots i'm like i wasn't i was thinking that but i wasn't going to say that but i was like what's going on he's like well at 12 o'clock um when the church is let out they light off fireworks and for one of the uh one of the um saints and i was like that is something that a lot of people will never experience the culture i have a lot of friends that are of hispanic Mm -hmm. ethnicity and from a different ethnicity and you start to notice that in different countries and different ethnicities that the the home is closer. And I think what really excited me about what you were kind of posting with your podcast and everything you post on Instagram was the history facts was that oh yeah, I always want to go back in the day. I never want to travel to the future. Technology scares the living crap out of me, but I want to go back to a point in our society and history when we were all closer as people. I know that seems like, well, we were always kind of divided. Yeah, but with the ever expansing world and technology and how it's so much easier to stay home than go outside and experience, you know, going over to your neighbor's house, having dinner. I don't know a whole lot of people that do that. I'd rather go back to the twenties where I can pull up and grab a nice malt or something, even though it's probably terrible. My great grandfather used to say a bread a week sucked, but I'm still like, Hey, there were drive-ins. There were people that were talking. There was more community. Yeah. Gosh, actually, on the whole drive-ins thing, I've been kind of wishing that drive-ins would make a comeback in the middle of Corona. So I'm like, okay, we can't go to movie theaters, but we have outdoor movie theaters, people. Let's just do more of that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I literally on my birthday, which was like the last day of the year, I got a movie uh, certificate, a gift card for like $20 to go to the movie. So we were going to hit up $5 movie night, me and my buddy coronavirus happens i still haven't been able to use it i'm like bro oh. we're not we better pick a line of movies that are in store we're gonna hit them all in one day in case it shuts <laughs> down again yeah no i i don't blame you i i yeah i i think going back in history is it it's so full of nostalgia and like i feel that what, what you're saying like especially because like i grew up in small town america like farm country um where like, uh, you know, the blue collar comedy tour was like regular pop culture. And I grew up with, you might be a redneck jokes that's, uh, set in earnest. <laughs> that is way more, I guess, more relevant to small town America than what my town has done. I live in a beach town and they <laughs> oh. claimed, so like maybe 10 minutes away from the beach, they claimed a town called Berlin as America's greatest small town. And I'm walking through, I'm like, this is all bullshit. I know this isn't true. How are we the world's coolest small town? I've watched it develop so much and change. 
And that's what hits me hard is because it's not home to me anymore. When I used to be a child skating through the streets, there was graffiti on the side of the building. There was a downtown movie rental. I would get my Sour Patch Rope Kids stuff and I would sit out front and get Texas Chainsaw Massacre when I was like 13 years old, take it to, you know, home when my parents would leave and be like, oh my God, he's chopping her face off. And now it's like, I go down there, there's a Verizon wireless, there's a Starbucks. I'm like, oh, it hurts. It's deep. Oh man, actually like, it's almost kind of like the opposite of what I, I kind of see out here in the Midwest where there is a lot of, a lot of towns are, are shrinking. Actually, it's, um, uh, it, in, in some ways it is honestly depressing. Um, but I do like, so I have an older dad. Um, he is, oh gosh, at this point. So he was, he turned 51 two weeks after I was born. So Yo. he's like in his eighties. Yeah. Wow. Um, so like I've gotten to hear like really interesting stories from him. So I guess like he's more silent generation rather than boomer. Um, so more like Bernie Sanders generation. Uh, like it, it was always very interesting listening to him grow up. Cause he was always very honest up front. What was like growing up in like a Swiss German immigrantish family, like, his dad was like second generation. Like he was the last one who was still bilingual uh, in German and uh, English. And so uh, they were still like kind of scrappy. They were still um, just making a living off the land. Literally, they were not rich. And most of their wealth was literally what they grew in the ground. It was hard. And he would never like paint a rosy picture of like hashtag cottage core about his childhood growing up. Um, but like, um, I think something that he did have growing up that we don't have right now, it would be so huge, I think, if we could ever claim that is a sense of community. Like you had mentioned the whole going over to your neighbor thing. Like it wasn't always like, uh, you know, we hug each other and we just love each other and we're just like community. A lot of that was survival. I, you had to know your neighbor because that was part of your support system. They were as close to your police, your fellow firefighters, your social workers, like that was just a thing. Oftentimes churches stood in for like centers of community, literally where like groups of neighbors would gather together. Pros and cons there, like, cause uh, we've grown so much in terms of how we relate to religion as a country. Um, there was also like, <laughs> I, I also got to witness like the last bits of like super denominational loyalty where it's like Methodists cannot marry a Baptist. Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. Well, what's interesting so, about that is you're going to start to notice, you probably noticed from when you were a child to where you are now that you had different, like it seemed like you aged a little bit differently than the people that were your age. Like for instance, I spent so much time, like my parents, both of them worked two jobs, you know, were always gone. So I spent a lot of my time either alone or I was always at my grandparents' house. So I picked up hard work, you know, always got to have the sandpaper hands from getting hard labor or being able to fix some things or being able to do something and not really rely on a lot of like, you know, someone else to do it for you. Make sure you can always be able to do that. Get up early in the morning, get to work, that type of thing. Always get it, you know, that mentality we're starting to kind of have now. But What's interesting about that is when you were saying about like, you know, people knew their neighbor, there's a more sense of community. It started to happen a little bit with the pandemic that happened. I 
you know, practice what you preach. I didn't, when we moved in, nobody comes over and greets like, Hey, welcome to the neighborhood. You know, there's not that whole mentality anymore. And after three years of living here, I finally saw my neighbor. I was like, Hey, what's up, man? He's like, Hey, what's up? And I'm like, how are you doing? My name's Robbie. Ended up finding out he's a Mormon and he makes uh, stained glass. So I was like, okay. stained glass. Like, what do you mean? Like the windows in the churches? And he's like, yeah, check this out. Takes me into his bathroom. I have never met this man, never had a full on conversation with him. I've seen him around, maybe mowing his lawn or something. Mm. I walked into his house. That just shows you a little bit about my personality. I walked <laughs> in, shows me into the bathroom and points up, it's flamingos. That's fantastic. And I'm like, whoa. And he's like, oh yeah. And I also bake bread. I'm like, where do you bake bread at? He goes, oh, at this a local bar called Bad Monkey. I'm like, so you're a Mormon that bakes bread and makes you're stained glass. And he's like, yeah. Bakes bread at a bakery or at a brew at a at a bar? At a and bar. It's a it's a, a it's like a bar slash restaurant, but they do these, I mean, amazing cinnamon rolls that'll just make you melt in your seat. I mean, I'm not a fan of cinnamon, but ho oh, oh, oh. That's a new one. I have yet, I, you're the first person I've met who's been like, I do not like cinnamon. I've met the, I do not like chocolate crowd. Um, I don't understand them. <laughs> I like, is there an allergy there? Maybe like, you know, the person that no. has like a peanut, I met a person that has a peanut gluten and a million different thing allergy. And I'm like, what do you eat? Oh, like yeah. air. Like, <laughs> oh man, that's something. I'm so lucky. I just hate cinnamon because I had a bad experience with Fireball where it ruined the taste of oh, it, which is difficult. Do it. Yeah, it's difficult my in my house because yeah. my dad is a big breakfast for dinner type person because I'm pretty sure oh, he yeah. doesn't know how to cook anything else besides <laughs> that. So it's like, oh, it's breakfast for dinner. It's an adventure. It's like, no, he really is just too lazy to make a meatloaf. Or, that's the worst one to pick. I Oh, God. Toss down a meatloaf for dinner. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Uh, and hey, it's a comfort food, at least for me. My my dad was the cook growing up, and uh, he actually does a really solid meatloaf. Um, but yeah, on the neighbor thing, so like I recently moved back to central-ish Illinois. I don't know exactly how to call it. Like a lot of folks naturally are like, okay, you know, most people live in Chicago, so, you know, they think 80s movies. Um, and I'm over here like, no, actually total down south. Like I'm actually just outside of St. Louis, um, but on the Illinois side, um, right next to the Mississippi River. And um, I did that to be closer to family. Also, I was living in the DC area, um, actually just outside of Dallas International Airport. And I was just like, I feel lonely out here. Um, I'm surrounded by more people than ever. and. I think one of the toughest things about living in the DC suburbs is the whole dang region is so transient. And even the people who are there forever are like super obsessed with their government work. <laughs> and so they're like never available at all. <laughs> it's always about work, 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 very serious. Literally saw a date one time where they were still in their office. No, they weren't still. It was a freaking Saturday, and they looked like they were there for an interview. Um, it's I it's what happens with the the whole community thing being lost. I mean, it's happened throughout history. Of I feel like we're always kind of repeating ourselves. I know a few people that study history to focus on how it's going to affect the future because we're always making these same mistakes. And I'm like, when 
the pandemic happened and there was this whole situation of everybody coming in contact with their neighbors again, I said, it's just like 9-11. It's going to last oh. a few weeks and then we're all going to go back to our old ways because it's society has set up for us to fall in these comfortable positions where we can just get on these routines. And next thing you know, 10 years has gone by and you're, you're, tra you're traveling on. But when you start to meet I mean, a lot of people, the incentive yeah in well, some ways i started talking to some people you know like you know, i try my best even though i'm an introvert to kind of conversate because i work a desk job and every day it's like i hear people just ah, and giving me their whole life story and i'm like whoa and you realize we're all in hysterics because there's none of that community anymore that when we do get someone's time for a minute or a hello or an open opportunity we want to give them as much as information that's been piled onto our shoulders as possible and i'm like this could all be fixed but it doesn't start with facebook it doesn't start with putting a paragraph up there it starts with just talking again it and it is it is super hard uh, if nothing else because like when i do think of uh, our interactions on places like facebook um <laughs> i'm one of those people that i'm still holding out like i have the wide range of political spectrum still on my my feed i'm like literally getting like QAnon stuff. Oh, I just uh, dived down yeah. that rabbit hole this morning. Oh, oh, dude. Um, so like one of the reasons I was in the DC area was doing um intelligence research work, and I was already like seeing and I had moved to the DC area in 2016, and like my whole team was like, Oh my gosh, welcome to the battlefield. I'm like, what the frick are you talking about? And then that's where I started the whole like, oh my gosh, look at all the, cons everything's a conspiracy. I ended up getting really into conspiracies. Please and go down this rabbit hole with me. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm so like, I studied MK Ultra and then, but I learned oh all from Alex Jones. Now listen to me when I say <laughs> this, I listened to the three and a half hour podcast that he did on Joe Rogan and every five minutes after listening to that episode over and over and over again, I must listen to it a hundred times, the full length of the thing. I would just listen to it through a workout. I pause it now every five minutes So intense. and I researched everything that he talked about. And the one thing I'm on right now is, uh, uh, what's the garden, the grove, uh, it starts with a B. Oh, Oh my god, I gotta darn it. Yeah, no, Google that. It, it goes with it's QAnon. On the top of my tongue. Yeah. It goes with oh. QAnon. What is it called? Heads up, my very chatty orange cat is probably going to be barging in. The Bohemian Grove. Bohemian Grove, yeah. No, it's um actually I remember House of Cards, um, when that was still going strong, they played around with that. I think they called it like Elysian Fields or, or something like that. But, but a uh, giant wood owl, or no, a giant steel statue or supported with steel beams, um, effigy of an owl and all these government officials get together and they have this like, yeah. burnt, it's like Burning Man, but with a wooden owl. Like people don't mm -hmm. think this is real. This is considered a conspiracy oh. theory. People don't yeah. believe in MK Ultra. Well, it's amazing. Oh, and MK Ultra is definitely real. So like, I'm over here, like, uh, I... <laughs> I have no reason to believe QAnon, even if I were to approach it with like true, like sincerity. I'm over yeah. here like, mm, I, there, there's just too many. There's, holes. Yeah, 
yeah and, and to which i'm like mm. and and the beautiful thing about mk ultra is like it it seems so unreal only because it is so straightforward like oh no no uh <laughs> there was like literal like i uh, like we have records on it unclassified records that acknowledge like oh yeah no i totally tried to do that stuff to people and it didn't not work yeah I, I, what I appreciate about MK Ultra is the conclusion was that the results, the effect, the effective, the effectiveness was inconsistent. They couldn't consistently get people like psychic and whatever. They couldn't consistently do it, so that's why they stopped doing it. Not because they couldn't, but they couldn't do it consistently. Well, like, which is such a government thing where I'm like, you know, we cannot just take person X and then make them uh, like superhero or whatever. Yeah, it goes off I think the- that's hilarious. Which is really interesting. I got uh, the movie, uh, oh God, Men Who Stared Goats. Oh, that's a good movie. So, so underrated. I saw that 10 years ago when it came out. And then I saw like, I think a few years ago was um, Project Jedi I learned about. And I was like, it's a real fucking thing. And then my mom's like, oh yeah, I went to that high school uh, nearby where they kept the goats. And I'm like, you knew about this too? And I'm like, and a lot of people don't believe in MKUltra, but I'm like, the CIA has it on their website, but all the names of the people involved are blacked out. Most of the stuff just blacked out, but it's a real thing that's happened, but people deny it because I don't think they could ever think that the government would do that. But I'm like, one of the biggest ones, and this is where I dived heavily down the road of psychology when I was taking mm-hmm. classes for it, Stanford Prison Experiment. I found oh, that- Oh, yeah. And that was, oh, man. Considered up on multiple failed. Ways. Yeah. But it's technically not, because if you look at what's going on now, when you put a p- person in a position of power, such as a cop or something like that, there are some people that are not fit to handle that role. Ronnie Coleman, oh, yeah. if you listen to um, Joe Rogan, Ronnie Coleman was on there and he was talking about how he was a cop before he got into bodybuilding. 300 pounds weighing, and his body fat percentage, hear me out here, 0.33. That's less than half a percent of body fat. That man- like a human bicep. And what the his, frick? Yeah, his, his whole, like, he's one of my heroes because he understands the addiction of working out. He could literally stop working out, but he's had 12 back surgeries. He's gotten to the point where he needs crutches to walk, but he, he's young, oh. too. He's only in his 50s. Oh, and, um, man. Well, that's, that's why, like, I mean, hey, you could work out every day. That does not necessarily mean you are taking care of your body. Those yeah. are two different things entirely. And uh, when I was hearing him talk, he goes, there were some days I would just walk in looking for a fight. But nobody would fight me because I'm 300 something pounds and I'm a one percent less than one percent body fat, and that's when you start hearing. It's like when you get put in a position of power, there are some people that cannot handle that, and there are some people that just that that they might never get tested, so it may never arise. But I believe it needs to be not defunded. I believe it needs to be the factor of it needs to be extensively looked at you should have a major psychology thing and stanford prison experiment showed that with the factor of you put someone in a position of power they all knew it was an experiment they all knew this was like just people just getting together you know sharing roles as cops and then prisoners Mm -hmm. but there are people that took it way too far because they like that authority power thing and then when i ran down that i ran down something that really i try and bring to people's attention when they say the government can't be like that I think a lot of the issues with our government right now is the factor of social media has put it on blast. Oh. It's 
always oh, been gosh, this yeah. bad. It's always yeah. been this bad, but the internet has completely thrown it open to a point where everyone's like, what? Willowbrook mm -hmm. State School. It was a place back in the day where they would take mentally challenged people. Parents would just drop their kid off, like open up the mm -hmm. door, let them out, and then never come back to get them. So at this oh, school. Absolutely. Sorry. Yeah, no. I, so I, fun fact, I live right next to Alton, Illinois, which bills itself, builds itself as uh, America's most haunted small town. Not the best small town, just the most haunted. <laughs> and so like. There was also a one of like Illinois' biggest mental hospitals, uh, and it is just it's a thing when you're in a town this old. There's also one in Jacksonville, Illinois, um, where you have an asylum uh, cemetery, and it's literally like acres of these numbered graves. There's just numbers, and it's endless, and it's because people just left their children and their loved ones there and they would only leave numbers it's not that they don't know the people they know them the numbers have to be brought back to sealed records to save the family's position and whatever it's haunting when you go to one of those things because it's just endless i had to ask you because I, I do want you to promote the podcast real quick so people know you do okay, it. Yeah. you inform about history too so please Right. So, um, so I do a daily um, podcast called the Librarian's Almanac. Um, it is, if nothing else, my excuse to be an ultra nerd. Um, it is a super quick podcast. I try to shoot for no more than like five minutes or something. Some days we go a little over, um, but only for good reasons, in my personal opinion. And the point is just to find every something every day and trace it back to, I mean, ideally not every day, not always, but ideally some sort of um, first person account to try to just bring that past point to the present moment in that short period of time. Uh, to me, like ideally the, the, the point is you listen to it, it's really quick, you're in, you're out and you walk away feeling like, okay, uh, I learned a little something for a quick moment that uh, just kind of can ground me a little bit and you move forward. Uh, it's also one of the reasons why I try to do a very calm voice <laughs> wherever possible. Um, in my head, like I, I actually got the idea from the writer's almanac. In some ways, it's a total ripoff from uh, Garrison. When I Taylor. saw the name on Instagram, I was like, oh, is this similar to that? And then I started looking at it. I was like, oh, it's like an interesting fact of the day. I kind of like that. It lets you sit down for a couple of minutes and learn something. I think that's cool. I mean, oh, yeah. Like I, like you said, not every day. You know, it might be someday you might miss, but I mean, it's it's hard to post every day. Oh, oh, heck yeah. Um, I I tend to batch things personally, and I do not expect everyone to listen to every single day unless they're into that. Some people like must complete total yeah. completionists. Um, most people are not like that, but like um, today is actually a really good example. So um, today is the uh, marked day that Frederick Douglass uh, escaped from slavery. And uh, the work that I got out of that was um, his autobiography. And specifically, like, I decided, because I, I thought that it was so freaking poignant. Um, he was a huge proponent of education. 
just in general, obviously for African-Americans and freed slaves, but he has this one passage where he describes his mistress who had uh, taught him the, the start of how to read and her husband, his master found out and just went on a whole tirade to her. And I read that in today's episode. And I do admit, I do not do a full reading because his slave master um, uses the N-word a lot and yeah. we all have our, uh, our limits. And I'm like, even, bec- even though it is like literally what the dude said, I, I, I do give a disclaimer, like I replace the N-word with Negro because it's still, in, to me, an archaic word to describe uh, a Black American, um, but it's not the N-word. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, a similar just, thing like in if you watch I can curse in all sorts of ways. I just can't do that. That's my line. Yeah. Well, if you um look at Django, for instance, a lot of like Leonardo DiCaprio was like, I don't feel comfortable saying a lot of these words. And they were like, yeah. we hear it every day. It's uh, you know, it was a that's what I think that and a few things I read in literature school, um, when I was taking like uh, you know, British literature or something, we were reading a lot of slave stories as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were reading from those accounts. I consider the most important reading from a first person's perspective, um, from reading from a slave that's writing in a different language or writing in something that was translated to English. Because what I thought was interesting is the people that would teach a lot of the people that were slaves, um, the factor of like learning another language you get to see in Django when he's like, you speak French. And she's like, yeah. And then she starts speaking it. And it's like, oh, like you start to realize like there are people that actually, you know, were a little bit different than this whole mindset of everybody was this thing. And oh, yeah, when we talk I about thought reading, it was like really messed up, like in some way. So like the master's like whole thing, like you can't teach him anything because he's going to be unhappy as a slave. Yeah. And it was like a total, like, like light went off. Cause he, cause Douglas was describes like he was already, enjoying learning how to read like he was definitely he was obviously a natural scholar type and so like his mistress had like tapped into something that was very natural to him and then his master like is using the n-word like in that dominant way it really made me appreciate like yeah that's why it's a bad word um because the dudes like that (laughs) dudes like that screwed it up for a lot of us um but like it struck him like wait a minute I, why won't I be happy as a slave if I'm educated? And it started like getting his wheels turning, realizing I need to learn more how to read because I don't want to be a slave anymore. I'm realizing that I'm just as good as all these other people. And now I'm learning that I am. This is all by freaking design that I'm not being educated. Screw that. I'm educating myself. And so he did. Well, there's two perspectives you can take from there. I always consider like, you know, from the many uh, conversations I've had, it's definitely aged me. Uh, mm-hmm. Ignorance is obviously bliss. But once you start experiencing a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more, you start to kind of hate life a little bit because you realize how like kind of <laughs> oh, messed yeah. up it is. But then that also raises the perspective of if it's really made you that miserable, the information you've gotten, then use what a lot of the rich people do and try and pull yourself out of that situation. 
you know, try and get, you know, Bill Gates, he has this intelligence and most people think he's the devil because he thinks he's injecting the population of something. I don't know. That's a conspiracy. Um, that is also another conspiracy. But the factor yeah. of he elevated himself to a better standing in life because he knew what gifts he had, what talent and what knowledge he had, and he used it to his advantage. So it comes in that perspective too. The whole reason of people didn't want to teach the slaves was the factor of if you educate them, they could overthrow us. They could learn mm -hmm. what, you know, that we're treating them like this. It was just to keep them, you know, dumb. And then there's also the perspective of if they figure out what they're, what, what's better out there, more information gets soaked up into their head. They're going to realize what shitty situation they're in and want to oh, change yeah. that. Was. They could have realized, wait a minute, like I could like cross some border and then like legally, you don't own me anymore. This is amazing. I can like a shocker. Like I'm over here. Like, I feel like it shouldn't, it should be like a given to most, like at least American minds. Yeah. Freedom of will and being able to do whatever the hell I want. That totally makes sense. Like that's a word that I challenge a lot is freedom. Oh yeah. Because oh. I think we've all noticed now our freedoms aren't as free as we'd like them yeah. to be. Um, I got and massively interested. To be sure, there's multiple definitions of like what is truly freedom. Yeah, so. I got massively interested in the fact of the wrongful incarcerations about people coming to make their life better into a new country and then being incarcerated for just a mixed up scenario that they had nothing to be involved mm -hmm. in. Um, you start looking at things and I, I think every 10 years new information comes out that exposes this thing that we've long lived to be true as wrong such as like the sugar industry for instance we thought that was that oh, yeah. was fat if you ate fat you're going to be fat and the next thing you know it's the sugar industry lying to you and trying to get all these companies and then it came to the big pharma now it's coming to like the government it's like everything goes under scrutiny and we have this new perception of thinking it's like if you just look through history all the blueprints have been placed out and things have been done. The reason why like the Nuremberg trials, for instance, a lot of those guys oh. got off and got uh, forgiven for their crimes on the factor of we use their research. Thanks. Like now we can, you know, now we can, you've already done the hard work. You've done the torturing of other people. We're just going to use your information and not have to take those roads ourselves. Oh, it's yeah. That, that bit is, I think, yeah, that's definitely an obstacle. I personally am constantly asking myself, like, because it's hard not taking some sort of bias or some sort of like stance accidentally of some sort when I'm doing research on day to day. So like, I'm over here thinking of um, uh, when John White came back to the Roanoke colony and I uh, or no, sorry, it wasn't when he came, it, the, what I did was the excerpt of his journal where he talks about coming back to the Roanoke colony, the lost Roanoke colony, and being like, there's no one here. And they wrote the word Croatan on this, uh, on this post. I don't know what the hell that means. And uh, it was on the, the birthday of his granddaughter, the first white English child to be born in the new world colony, English colonies, Virginia Dare. Um, and it happened to be like that day. So, so like if you read John White's excerpts, it's like, who the hell knows what happened? And so like all of like the, the legends like kind of spring from that, like what happened to the lost colony? And this year 
a group of archaeologists who have been working in that area have found concrete evidence that they just joined literally the Croatan Native Americans. That's what happened. They literally failed and they're like, look at these other people who are not starving. <laughs> they're doing great. We should join them. History and education, they always say the education system has its flaws and it's getting fixed. Yes. But I think when we look at history, let's teach something different. Let's teach something not on the lines of you shouldn't have to take a specific class to learn about black history. You shouldn't have to take a specific class to learn about a different thing. Let's revolutionize the history books and start teaching things that are important that never get brought into detail. Night witches. That is not American history. But no, that is it's so freaking cool. It's fucking amazing history. A group of women that fly in crop dusting airplanes in like snowy weather in Russia and the freezing cold that are bombing right. Nazi soldiers at night. Who the sometimes they're having to like get out of their freaking cockpits oh like to God. rev up their engines again on their freaking plane while it's flying. It is nuts when you read about the 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 night witches. No, it is it's true. And of course, like, I have to learn all this stuff, like, because I'm an adult and, like, in, like, inspiration from my grad school time, like, because I also have a, happen to have a master's in library and information science. So all of this, like, I am literally professional in researching this. I'm like, you should not have to be that way to get into this. Yeah. Any of that. That is dumb. <laughs> I literally went at, used my college's free printing services i took a giant hey, stack yeah, yeah. of copy paper shoved it in the printer and i would just sit there printing random different rap because i used yeah. to do a spinoff of this podcast called fill oh, in the cool. blank where we would focus on specific topics and talk about it like we did an episode mm -hmm. on the icy uh death by coconut all these different types of random things because i would just ask my buddies what are you guys interested in i got this one i'm posting every day i want to know about what what's something else i could do i need more things to keep my mind busy and my buddy's like 19th century victorian surgery and i was like you could have fucking picked anything in the world but you picked that specific one and he's like yeah mm. so then i learned about robert liston uh, oh, i was all about these... to say you probably got a lot into drugs there because got like drugs i got massively into how the medical industry has completely changed because one thing i always thought that was fascinating about that was the uh the plague doctor masks which oh yeah were inspired by a video game to me by assassin's creed you get to dress up as one of those guys and i was like okay what is this all about and you start learning about the bubonic plague you start learning about uh why doctors made house calls because going to the hospital was actually going to probably kill you rather than going to your house because yeah. the, there was no germination when it came to diseases and stuff at hospitals back whoa did you see that happen Holy all right yeah, all good but um back in the day there was a thing where we would not clean our utensils for surgery it would be there was a guy uh i can't remember if it's joseph lister or i think it was robert liston six foot four doctor or six foot mm. three would come to your house and he would let you know i'm coming on this day and i'm gonna chop your leg off okay we're doing surgery oh, yeah. he was in like your this house giant Scottish dude, wasn't he? I'm going to say like he was Scottish because like the Americans, we were woefully behind. Like, um, oh gosh darn it, who was um, who was the the president assassinated after Lincoln? Um, but it was like back when DC still had like a downtown train station because that's where he was assassinated. Oh crap! Now I'm going to Google it. Well, 
Um, but but anyway, like one of the reasons he died is because we were woefully behind on Europe's realization. Like, oh yeah, uh, bacteria, it's a thing. Clean your freaking instruments. Well, he's also known as the only uh, doctor or surgeon that has a three hundred percent kill kill uh ratio or percentage and you say 300 percent. how'd you get that he killed the person that was on the opera freaking weird (laughs) yeah well he killed the person that was on the operating table he killed his medical assistant and he killed a spectator watching all in one surgery because of the factor of the lady was probably going to die she needed her leg chopped off it was infected Mm -hmm. you're not probably going to survive the medical experience back then but he was moving his hands so fast with the knife and stuff literally chopping a girl's Mm -hmm. leg off then putting the bloody knife into his mouth and then grabbing another utensil and trying to go for something he chopped off his assistant's fingers which later died of infection and a spectator watching he sliced the old guy's coat and the dude had a heart attack and died so when you look at how that and then eventually some guy was like wait a minute, we're just using that blood onto that blood and then taking that patient to that patient. All our patients are dying. Why don't we just run this under hot water? And that was their germination thing. They would just run it under water. Um, I think it was just water, not even hot. Then eventually we led to the progression we're at now where we use sanitization. And now obviously with how coronavirus happened, we're all spraying down everything. We know what sanitation is. Um, but learning from that, and then seeing how it's progressed from that time period and then seeing how we're still making the same mistakes when it comes to the aspect of just washing your hands. A lot of people don't do that. I mean, I guess it's a mm-hmm. couple of minutes out of your day that takes just too much time. And then it also leads into the factor of what I think the world's going to progress to in history is the Luddite movement. Oh, so interesting. Do you oh, know what the on. Luddite movement is specifically? Yes, but I'm over here like, what? So so I'm over here thinking like I like technology has been going so dang fast but I also think it is highly it's very uneven in how it has largely has benefited people every Um, problem this was some this is not anything new like I remember back like in the 20 like like in the middle of the 2010s like this was like a, a, a complaint I know like in grad school because like especially the public librarians were like digital divide this is a fucking issue it's still an issue by the way um, but like they were pointing out why is it that all these apps coming out of Silicon Valley is mostly aimed at middle class people and the other it, it was kind of like the the rise of like Lyft and Uber and like this is nothing like if you drive Lyft or Uber this is not me criticizing you you do you and pay your freaking bills as you can i'm over here like they should also treat you like an employee they don't (laughs) yeah there's a lot of uh creepy uh i guess uh blind spots in a lot of these uh contracts i used to do uber for a little bit just as like you know just to make a you could make like 70 bucks a day down here so i was like oh if if i do this for an hour i make 70 bucks fuck yeah and then um eventually like with what i was saying about the luddite movement was the factor of we're all going into self-service machines everything's starting to do machines for us the neural link literally to get that surgery elon musk is hoping that a robot does it for you so if you look at the luddite movement it was a thing in during the industrial revolution where people were losing their jobs they're printing presses and they would destroy these machines that's what's going to happen in the future people are going to get fed up because the fact of sooner or later we're not going to leave our homes because we don't have a job anymore we don't have these things because machines are going to replace us what's weird is that we've gone from the perspective of 
building a machine or a robot to do our job for us to now imprinting mm -hmm. ourselves with a machine or a thing to change us, to make us better over our appearances and flaws. And I'm like, it becomes sketchy ground. It's like, Oh, absolutely. I could totally see some people like there, there are some people who are really into, um, I'm probably going to butch this, uh, transhumanism. Uh, so like where you get to the, this point of singularity where like human mind compute machine mind, they're the same. Um, and I'm over here, like, I'm going to be very curious. I'm, I'm a little skeptical in some ways of like, if we think that that's going to be as we think it's going to be, um, only because I'm over here, like, we barely understand how consciousness works. Like, we know that it's, we have atom interactions in our brains that are part of how we think like if we're talking about thinking like you and i thinking talking having this awareness of like you are you i am me that we don't know how that fucking happens we know that there is like atoms interacting we have neurons that are bumping at each other and we can like literally see we have machines that are literally seeing this happen but we have no freaking clue how that works and even if you were to be like all right now we're going to bring this over to a machine like is it still the same we don't know we have no way of saying like absolutely if we totally copy whatever the hell is happening in our brains and we put that into a machine we don't we still have so little understanding of it's it's really kind of like a, the philosophy of like what is self to even say like yeah i mean we're totally bringing ourselves into the machine that should be cool in the meantime i'm over here like i see stuff like elon musk's pig demo or i'm like this really reminds me of like people who are like paralyzed and have to use their mouse to like type stuff out and talk uh, it's very I'm Stephen Hawking. Hawking. Yes. Yeah, like, to me, I'm like, that seems more reasonable for the art. What's weird is the fact that I feel like you could take the person, if you took your life at the beginning and then take your life where it is now, with all the technology that's influenced it, especially for the millennial generation, and then you take mm -hmm. what happens if you had no technology at all you would never be able to recognize yourself with the factor of, I feel like you would be a completely different person, a different unique individual, but all these things have influenced us and made us a little bit easier, made us a little bit lazy in some scenarios and made us maybe more progressive in others. But what's interesting is when we talk about taking the mind of a person and trying to be able to put it into a computer, trying to replicate the thought process that could go into, Oh, we can only relate it to, well, a computer thinks this way. And we think that's how our brain is. It's like, but our brain thought that's how you make a computer. So technically is that installing oh, yeah. a piece of our, maybe a little hint of what our mind is? No, because our mind is something we barely understand. Like the factor of the neural link is supposed to help out with insomnia, supposed to help out with schizophrenia, supposed to help out with all these other things. ECT did the same thing. ECT was supposed to shock your brain when you were suffering from schizophrenia, when those certain uh, things would arise that would make you stop experiencing yeah. that and your brain would get related to that. So every time, you know, even when you weren't hooked up to the machine, when you would start experiencing symptoms of schizophrenia, your brain would shock you and kill those things out of you. So that was their brainwashing thing with MKUltra. <sighs> I yeah. believe oh. 
the whole world got pissed off at the government and all this other stuff when one thing started happening, and this is when the whole shift, I believe, started going downhill, was when Stranger Things came out. Oh, man. Because as soon as I saw that article on Stranger Things being related to Project Hero, then everyone was like, wait a minute, the government actually did this stuff, but maybe it's a little bit Hollywooded up, but what else has the government done? Google time, and then Google led them down this rabbit hole conspiracy, and much like we talk about, which I really love about your page, the journalism thing, a journalist used to have a replications to something they would post that was false. Bloggers are the new form of journalism, and they don't have replications for what they post. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, there's, there's barely any consequences for them. How do you enforce that? Yeah, I have. It's not that I'm saying you can't. I'm over here like I have no damn clue. So if I type I really an article don't. right now saying pigs can fly, I've now done a test that pigs can fly. There are going to be hundred thousand people, two hundred thousand people, whoever comes across it that sees it, and I guarantee you, half of them are going to be like bullshit, throw it out. Other half are going to be, like, oh my god, can you believe this? And then that spouts, and then that spouts, and then that spouts, and that's how we become into oh, this world of false yeah. information and this thing that creates hatred. Because now we're thinking and we're reading things that might not honestly be true because it's been distorted. My coworker that I used to work with, my old boss, has a huge Twitter following. I mean, he always post political stuff always okay somebody took <laughs> somebody took his photo and put it on a thing that was calling out a bunch of stuff about black lives matter little did he know that this guy is indian like hmm. he's he looks he looks as white as me but he comes from an indian heritage and he embraces that so much so people were calling him a racist without finding the information then his picture went all over the internet saying this guy's saying these lives don't matter and all these things that's called false information which creates a spark of hatred which creates a bigger divide in between us where is that coming from how do we fix it well the reason is don't believe everything you do you see on the internet but our initial instinct is we look at the newspaper how we would get our information from that and like wow and then we'd run with it now we're looking at the internet we see the first article wow and then we run with it oh yeah oh yeah especially like so so long now now that we've had like especially those of us who grew up with a lot more like established media like newspapers i still think of millennials like we are just one step away from like boomers really um we have we still have in in our heads this concept of journalistic integrity and well if it's on there there's got to be something to it i would be so curious what more of like a digital native generation thinks of that who has who might i i has like this concept of like as as less of a concept of like this it seems like a institution and institution should have some sort of um uh credibility i i I kind of i don't know like that would be that would be a very cool i i discussion for me anyway i like i i think that would be very enlightening for me mostly because i'm like okay if you've lived your whole life mostly with the digital media and having all these different sources coming at you. I wonder how your brain naturally goes through that just because I never grew up with it. 
I think it's totally a thing, but I'm like, hmm. I think I with know. the power of the internet and how you literally have the opportunity to be a major influencer and at least how many of a following you have and how many you will have, because you're, you're, when you come off like as a history page, for instance, not only oh, yeah. are you could be, uh, choose to do it in the right way as a responsible journalist. You could also, there's an opportunity of people that are out there that do a history page that choose to sh shoot out false narratives, choose to blend oh, facts and absolutely. reality, which I appreciate about your podcast and how you're spotting things. You're actually reading from something that has happened. You're not, you're not adding anything. You might be blending in some things to help out the culture, such as like, you know, saying the N word or something that's obviously that's, that's, that's okay to do. But when we look at history, for instance, so many people want to get their point across and want to get their opinion across and get their views across that they're not choosing right. to look up the actual information for themselves. And it's like, you need to, it's so hard in today's time with technology to really find that correct information you could sit there on wikipedia all freaking day like i did at one point just looking at government conspiracies and then you start leading into cryptozoology and all these other things and mm -hmm. i had to take a break and be like hang on a second where can i find this and then i just went on to the actual websites myself the cia for instance it's all there oh it's all public I, oh i highly recommend like I, uh, you know, if for people out there who are total Wikipedia junkies, I say go for it and utilize the hell out of those links. A solid Wikipedia page, even stuff on like cryptozoology, which I love, by the way, I have loved cryptozoology since I was a kid and I'll still do. Like, use those links and pay those people, uh, you know, some visits. Like, look who's blogging, follow them, heck, give them a head, give them a hey. Like, they're, there's some really cool folks out there in the cryptozoology world. That was actually, so fun fact about me, uh, one of my high school uh, side gigs was being an editor for a local uh, amateur historian in, actually he was my, he was my physics teacher. Um, that's how we met. And um, I was always really good at, writing uh editing so he literally he paid me minimum wage to um wait a minute no it was actually it was actually living wage for the time damn that dude was generous but anyway he wrote about the piasaw bird and paranormal happenings in central illinois and i got to edit that that was really cool that's awesome um the piasaw bird by the way is like um it's a special sort of uh cryptid in uh in the alton area it is it's a chimera of sorts um from illini from the illini tribe uh mythology where it was kind of it was like a giant bird but not quite a bird because it's the depictions of it are like um it's got kind of like a lion body it's got stag antlers it looks like some sort of like dragon thing I just it's look, crazy <laughs> i look at cryptids and i'm like there are it's like anything you can read anywhere and you can choose to believe in it or not how convincing is it bigfoot oh, is yeah. really freaking convincing that there's oh, this very much so but then you look at something like a thunderbird or something else mm. and it's like there are some people are like nope that's not true oh the pope licking monster isn't a real thing it's like you start hearing all these things. It's like this can be related to simply anything that you read 
find oh. truth in it. Make sure that there's more than one thing, but nobody ever wants to do that because it's so easy to run with your first inclination. And it's like this whole thing that I've been getting upset about or obsessed about with the factor of like people wanting to cancel and do all these things. There are some oh, yeah. things we are definitely evolving and doing this, but canceling somebody, getting them fired, getting them taken out and you're losing their livelihood. They're just going to spout the hatred and how pissed off they are that all this happened to them to future generations of their own. It's about showing them and teaching them or not giving them the light of day, such as like whatever and move on. I know it's going to be hard for a lot of things, but well, all that does throughout history, when people riot and people do all these things, it just creates aggression. What needs to be done is the same thing Martin Luther King stood for in the first place, which was no violence. It needs to be not, you know, I'm not saying don't burn down a building. Honestly, don't. But the factor of when you're taking down someone, that's considered violence nowadays. When you're, you know, getting somebody fired or doing these types of mm -hmm. things, there are situations that are called for it and there are situations that aren't. I'm like, just look through the past of our history. A lot of the template and the blueprints and the mistakes that we're making today were founded back there. They were already cemented in. It takes so, and that's why I get so passionate about histories because it's the one thing I could actually sit down and learn, Greek mythology especially. But um, the factor of like, we're doing the same thing over and over again. And we're wondering mm -hmm. why things aren't changing. I'm like, cause we're not doing a whole lot different. The technology's gotten the newer, the clothes have gotten lower. It's nothing, it's nothing new. It's nothing new. Uh, I think there's, uh, there's a, an essential part of community that I would love to see more in, especially in internet culture. Um, I think cancel culture, comes out in in the best in its best sense it comes from a need for for justice for a wrong that i think is a natural human need uh, that need for justice but an essential ingredient to 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 justice that i think we are currently missing is reconciliation uh, when someone has done something wrong what is the path for them to be reconciled with the community and I think that is still a major missing ingredient right now. And again, I don't have any answers. I'm just over here like, you know, for a, a lot of societies, there was some sort of sense of like being able to come back into the community in some fashion or being able to talk out and realize, okay, this is what needs to happen. Now, some communities have been a little bit more violent about it than others. I'm thinking of like Irish Celtic clans and paying blood price for murder. Uh, you, know, what, you, you kill one of my kin, I get to kill one of yours, <laughs> literally. Um, so maybe not that, <laughs> but, um, but no, I think that is something that it makes, um, it makes me both empathize with cancel culture and also really want it to grow in, in that sort of evolved way. That's the same perspective I'm thinking of as the factor of you need to listen to both sides. You need to find where you see fixes and where you don't see fixes. You're going to make your own differences for yourself. You're going to make your own justifications on whatever you know and whatever you've experienced through life. And I'm like, it all boils down. I know people are like, oh my God, he's preaching it again. It's just so simple to go down to conversation and talk it out. But all we want to do is spout our one sides, like a life story of our own and not hear the other person's. And I'm like, if you keep your mind open 100%, 
to both arguments, both things, you're going to come to a conclusion. If you tell me the people that sit there and say, oh, I can't believe I got canceled for this. Well, sit them down and talk to them. Why do you feel that way? And then explain the other side. Don't just sit there, shut them out of their life, make them lose their home and all these things. And next thing you know, it's like you wonder why the guy's pissed off and he hasn't changed. Changing starts with showing and showing starts with teaching. I mean, it's, it's all this whole entire perspective of just trying our best to educate ourselves, but we always want to, you know, we're doing the same thing we did in the past. We're about as uneducated back in the day where we're barely washing off instruments as we are today. Oh yeah. Oh, we've, some people are going to be looking back at this and being like, what friggin' idiots. If they only did this simple thing that we now see perfectly clearly in hindsight, right, they would, their lives would be so much better. It all, be right, Jeff? It Somewhere all, my tabby is like, I, I hear him in the background just meowing. Off. He's like, I'm telling oh. you. He's like, put a collar <laughs> on my neck that lets me talk. I'll let you know. <laughs> but seriously, uh, Elizabeth, please promote your podcast. I mean, I, this has been awesome. I appreciate having you on. Oh, yeah. So, um, uh, Librarian's Almanac. Uh, we're on uh, we're on Instagram. Literally, put on the search bar Librarian's Almanac. Uh, Google it. <laughs> Google it. Um, we're. Uh, I'm also on uh, iTunes, Spotify. Um, it's an anchor podcast, so like literally blasts out to everywhere. Um, no uh, advertising at this time, just because I am terrible at promotion like that. So you just get me. And my calm voice every single day as you need. Dude, you should do voiceover work. Uh, that actually, that would probably be super freaking fun. Honestly, I, when I was a teen, like one of my things to, uh, that I loved doing was um, public speaking competitions, but specifically just for poetry. I honestly hated getting in front of people. Um, I could crack jokes in the back, but I hated always, but I had to take speech oh, class college yeah. that kind of killed it out of me. I did a 15 minute uh, slideshow or a 15 minute commercial that was all improv in front of my whole entire class with only five minutes for prep for it. I left all my notes at home. I just started talking about Hot Pockets and I got into it. I sold the freaking room. And I'm gonna ask you I to do it. me the favor of wrapping up this show in a way you would end the episode in that calm, sweet personality. All right. So, oh gosh, how, 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 shall, I, how shall I end this? Um, doo, doo, doo. This is not who wants to be a millionaire. We don't end with a jingle. All right. Well, feel free to uh, let us know what you think about this episode in uh, the comments or wherever you found this episode today. Uh, we would love uh, to get your ratings and reviews uh, on the platform you found us on. Feedback is love. My name is Liz and you've been listening to myself and Rob talking this morning. We'll talk to you another time. <laughs>